Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Bob Mosher to the podcast. Bob is well-renowned for his work on the five moments of need, which focuses on workflow learning. He's an author, speaker, consultant, and a genuine thought leader. This conversation was deep, passionate, interesting, and a real pleasure. I know you'll get a great deal from it. So let's get into it. Bob, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. It is great to be here. It's an honor. Looking forward to the dialogue. Now, Bob, I'm at risk of selling you short with any introduction because you're known for so much, including the five moments of need, workflow learning, innovative performance support, which is a book that I own and I love, and much, much more over a distinguished career. We'll look to touch on as much of that as we can over the course of this conversation. But for me, you represent a voice of reason. You share a vision of L&D, achieving more, but, but by focusing on the things that really matter. Now, this includes, rather contentiously, and to quote you, if you don't, if you don't mind so early on, <laughs> we've got to get out of the training business. Now, this is heresy, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> what, what are we supposed to do instead? Well, I... I mean, well, amen to that. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I came to that realization, David, when I, when, you know, if my brother-in-law is a um, drywaller, mm-hmm. but if you ask him what he does, he's in the home construction business. I have a dear friend who's a nurse. If you ask her what she does, she's in healthcare. You know, where I'm going with this is we are not in the training business, my mm-hmm. friend. We aren't, that, that's, that's the means to the end. And only one, in, we'll, we'll talk about today, maybe not so ineffective means yeah. to the end, right? We are in the performance business. Right. And, and, and we're, we're to help people, we're to lift organizations, enable workers to perform at the moment of need. You know, so, so I'm a performance architect, mm-hmm. right? I'm a performance consultant. I got it, we, the, the, the danger of the training and no offense to it, because it's been remarkable for years, is that there's so much legacy and baggage to what that means. Mm. And I think it minimizes the discussion. I think it minimizes our influence. I think it minimizes our deliverable and the way we're allowed to uh, impact organizations. So I got out of the training business 10 years ago, and since I have the discussion I'm allowed to have with those who I serve has broadened exponentially because in the end, they come to training for performance, yeah. right? You come to a carpenter to build a home, right? So, so I want to get in the discussion. I want to be seen as, as someone who supports and enables performance, not the means to the end. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. I, you know, I've been, on, I've been on that journey for a lot less time than you, but f- but seen and felt it keenly that people attend training, think something's going to be done to them. There is this, <laughs> the exchange almost, the interaction is just so flawed. Now, like you, I, I see a place for training, but, uh, but sure. it's, it's, a, it's a tool in the kit bag. It's not the kit bag itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, yep. For, you know, for, for too long, we've been seen as that. It's, it's been, I've been using the tip of the sword thing, right? Mm. And for too long, you know, I, I use the classic, how many of you in L&D have heard these words? Someone walks into your office and says, I would like five days of training on. Mm-hmm. Well, are you kidding me? Right? What, what, what does, we're going to start there? Yeah. That, that, that's where the conversation <laughs> begins, right? And so we've got to get out of our organization seeing us in such a minimal, limited way. Now, Bob, I, in the introduction there, I mentioned that uh, the, the, I, I, and I first became aware of your work through uh, the five moments of need. And I feel it's such a, a, a crucial, fundamental element of, of the rest of what we're going to be talking about. I wonder, for the benefit of the listener, it, just in case they're not fully aware or maybe partially aware, could you give us an overview of, of 
the five moments of need, please? Happy to, you know, and, and the interesting thing is when people hear the five moments, it, it's not like it blows them away, to be honest, right? It, it, but it's also like the first time I heard Kirkpatrick's four levels, mm. right? I mean, I mean, and, and, but here's what it did for me, my friend, is when I heard Kirkpatrick's four levels, I was like, it, it, that's a framework, right? I've been, how do you, it, it, it gave me a way, and, and I, there's arguments around the levels and such, mm. but my point is it gave me a way in which to discuss with people the very complex topic of measurement. Measurement's complex, yeah. right? And so the four levels gave us, gave it, well, the same thing here. I was, I was at the time at a, at a large organization and we were struggling with blended learning. Oh my gosh, here we, we can talk, David. <laughs> that's an entire podcast, my friend. Um, but, but, what I, but we, we I, I'd spent millions in designing it. I, I, I had a worldwide reach at the time and we were getting really bad lift with what I thought. And by the way, our industry thought because we won an award. Mm. Uh, was remarkable blended learning. And, and so a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Con Gofferson, who's now also my, my, my colleague now, he, 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 he forced me to pivot on something different. He's like, Bob, here's the thing. Did you build tr blended learning or did you just build blended training? Mm. And I went, uh, uh, w w there's a difference? He's like, oh my gosh, there's a difference. And he, he introduced me to what had been his life work which was the five moments of need and said, Bob, here's the thing. All you did was a content pivot. Hmm. You didn't do a need pivot. And if you had done a need pivot, you would have gotten very different uptake and results from your learners. And he introduced me to the five moments where he said, look, all you've addressed in the blended training that you've built is the first two, which is when someone needs something for the first time, when people are new to content, and there's the word, right? Content. Mm -hmm. we, we upskill them in some way. We introduce them to it basically, right? or when they need more new content. But again, look, the, the pivot in both of those things is it's, it's, it's a content dissemination need. And by the way, a very warranted need, yeah. right? I want my doctors to have knowledge mm -hmm. before they cut me open, right? But at the same time, to be a good doctor, you have to move into practice, right? And so the next three moments of need are when someone tries to apply the knowledge that they gain. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, they may acquire more knowledge in doing that, but it's, it's, it's the transfer of knowledge, not the acquisition anymore. Yeah. So th this, this vital moment of apply, and then apply has two nuances, right? There's, there's apply because things have changed. What happens when the information is different? Do I have to go all the way back to new? Probably not because it's, I, I have base knowledge, but something's different. So the moment of change, or when I get myself in trouble, because I think I know how to do something well and I make a mistake, mm -hmm. right? So, so new and more content driven typically often met by training and then apply change and solve uh, targeted towards uh, performance and a different deliverable. Great. Um, I'd like to go into that in, uh, in a bit more detail and, and how you design it because I like the way that, that you and, and Conrad Gofferson talk about designing for the moment of apply. I think I remember reading in Learn and Solutions magazine, there was a lovely phrase in there. You said that the, the sweet spot of learning and development was the moment of apply. And in my mind, I thought, well, that's what we've always tried to design for. You know, but the problem is that the training usually occurs weeks, months or years mm. after the need has passed and mm. then anticipates another need days, weeks, months, or maybe years in the future. But the closer <laughs> we almost get to, it's almost like that. And then we do that by running exercises. We're trying to embed this content so that it can be recalled at this undetermined time in the future. But yeah. I wonder how designing for the moment of apply is different from regular learning or instructional design. It's all about where it's consumed. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the scenario you just, you just described is let's see the ground 
to once it rains and the sun comes out, grow a crop. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we just hope the crop goes well. We hope it comes up well. We hope it, you know, the whole deal, you know, the, the design for the moment applies says, no, I'm going to design first for the workflow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to design for people to consume learning while doing. And then if I need to, I'll train it or reinforce the training if I want to. I once wrote an article for the CLO magazine that got probably the largest visceral, frankly, reaction from our business said, you know, do we teach swimming or prevent drowning? Oh, <laughs> think about <laughs> yeah. that. And, because, and, 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 it, and it was from, it was from a moment in my, in my life where I was literally doing that. I was, if I may go up, to, up a little bit here, mm -hmm. but I was, but these are all epiphanies for us, right? But I was an, I was an undergraduate in education school in the States at the time was going to be an elementary school teacher, which I was for a bit, but, but left. Um, so I, so I am, I'm immersed in, in, in acumen, right? I'm immersed in lesson plans. I'm immersed in, I mean, I am at the height of my schooling mm. and I'm at the summer camp and I'm, and I'm teaching swimming. I'm in the, I'm in a pool waist deep with a very talented, uh, teach, uh, swimming instructor who's done it for years. And standing in front of me are five-year-olds who we, we called, uh, minnows mm -hmm. is what we call them back then. We're trying to teach how to swim. And, so in my mind, David, I, I've got a week, right? I've got a week with these kids. I have got lesson plans and, and vocabulary, and I'm going to model and do all this kinds of stuff. My gifted colleague reaches over, grabs a kid off the, off the deck, and pulls him into the water, like literally pulls him off the side. Hmm. Of course, he immediately starts spitting and struggling and flashing his arms around, and my colleague guides him back to the edge, and I looked at him like, oh my, my, I was like, what the heck was that? And he, and he looked at me and said, you know, Bob, we only have a week. You know, what, what do you think our job is here? Is it to teach swimming or is it to prevent, the, prevent these children from drowning? Mm. And, and, I, and, and it was just such an important time for me in this journey, David, because what it, what it reoriented me to is he, he, he reverse engineered the lessons I already had. I, I wasn't going to have him in the water for two days, yeah. right? He had that, that child in the deep end in seconds and then guided and supported them back. And then as, as he watched how the child could or couldn't swim, he taught them to swim. Yeah. You know, and so, and so this is this reorientation to apply. If we, we have to understand the deep end mm -hmm. that our learners face every day, and I think we have a very limited view of that. We do something called rapid workflow analysis mm -hmm. before we start design. It's not needs analysis. It's not content analysis like we've known for years. It is a way in which we first analyze what is the deep end like for a learner? What is their day like? What are, they, what are their challenges they face? What tasks do they perform? What understanding do they have to do to, do to support those tasks? Mm. What resources surround them in the water so that they don't drown? Yeah. Though, David, those were analysis I was never taught to do in my teach to swim first. Yeah. <laughs> Hope they don't drown second, right? And so designing for the moment of apply is a very, very different orientation for us as designers than a content-driven training one. 100%. That's such a powerful... Um, I mean, it's real life for you, but it's a metaphor for us that, that when you're teaching or training the topic, which is how to swim, in your example, you don't have to swim for two days. If we, if we, right. if we describe that and place that in organizations, that is your induction. That is your new manager yes. development. That is your core skill building. We're going to remove you from the pool, and we're going to yes. we're going to tell you all about water. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and, and why you should float, and the principles of swimming. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you nine different strokes. Yeah. And I'm gonna oh my god. Oh sure. And and then I'm gonna take you safety. Got to have mm -hmm. safety, right? We're gonna you know, so I miss each other. The thing is, don't you know? Always be with a buddy. Mm -hmm. Walk, don't run. All that kind of stuff. And this kid sitting there on the edge of the gutter, going, uh, I just don't want to drown. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I mean, these, these needs in the workflow are so have been blind to us as an industry yeah. for so long because we pivot on what an SME says. We think we, we go content first and way too much of it. And to your point, we remove it from where learning is done best. And that's when they're doing their work. 100%. Um, I, I think I want to just state here, I think you you and I do similar work in this regard. And I want to call out just to get, you know, we're, we're 12 minutes in or so. <laughs> but I have these conversations all the time. And very soon, the person I'm speaking with says, we don't have time for that. Or yeah. that sounds too hard. For which I always say, this is faster, cheaper, laser focused on solving the problem. It actually works. Like it's, let, me, let me share some stats with yeah. you, my friend. When doing this well, two things happen. We've seen it happen. We've measured it happen. Number one, training on average is reduced by half. By half on average, mm. often more. Because when you don't start with training first and design for training first, you don't need as much of it. Yeah. Because you are, right? You're, 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 it, and by the way, we'll come, we'll come back to training in a bit because it absolutely has a place. Mm -hmm. But the poor thing is just been beaten to death and way overburdened and asked to do things it cannot. Yeah. Right? So, so we're going to be sure with it, what we're going to do instead is reorient them to how they should look at, at, at training first. Yeah. So absolutely, it, it's definitely one that we have to have them understand the possibility and to your point when you do it you have much more time to do the kind of training you need and time to design it if you start with apply first yeah and to, to again bringing this back into real life about you know you, you're presented with a problem stakeholder has said x in the uh, analysis procurement design the scheduling and delivering it can take weeks often months sometimes years to get everybody through said program. But on a previous podcast, I had Tracy Waters from Sky talking about doing five or 10 day sprints. At the end, mm -hmm. at the end there'll be a prototype and within days, it will be in the hands of the people who need it. We're talking a handful of days as opposed to months in, in service of real demonstrable problems oh my gosh we can get a proof of concept again this, this is all vocabulary yeah. and i think and again i think in our industry someday we have to have a long talk about this because <laughs> right we we, we 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 all call it different things yeah. which is which is totally fine but but we, i think we have to come to some consensus but for us what you're describing is a proof of concept mm. and we can have them out in four to six weeks yeah i mean in the hands of the learner doing something solving a problem right now iterative design my friend agile design we threw that around way too early in our business and i think we had no clue what it meant yeah Right, we, we still went back to our waterfall approach to everything and we really didn't get what you're describing. And that is when you focus on apply first and you're dealing with a performance problem, not teaching a CRM. Mm. If you wanna release a course on teaching a CRM, yeah, you need months, the whole deal, and you gotta, and people can sit through it for days. Yeah. If you say, no, 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 we probably bought the CRM because people are not selling well, or we hope they can sell better, let's pivot on that. Mm. Let's discuss what the what the factors, the tasks, the outcomes of effective sales are in this company. Let's pick the most critical ones. We use something called critical skills analysis. Mm -hmm. Let's pick the most critical ones and let's zero in on those first, get a deliverable out around that, and then we will iteratively build out the rest. But we have a deliverable, a working measurable deliverable mm -hmm. in the hands of performers within weeks, if not days. Not these courses that take months to write and then years frankly to put the organization through yeah so what we're talking about here is and we, we've mentioned it before that that 
you and I being on a journey, um, you know, we've we've seen this, and now and now we're looking to solve this problem. But we've both had our triggers. I think I read previously that of your thirty-five years in L and D, it's been in the last ten years yeah. that that you've been working in this way. I wonder. You know, we t- we talked about the the um your, the swimming experience before, which from what I understand yep. was before then. But in your L and D career, what were the triggers that had you look at the things you were doing and believed in, and had them challenged? Well, again, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, mm. but the, but it, within that time that uh, we talked about blended learning, right, and the issues w- with the failure of that. But the other thing was, it, I, I was doing an analysis of a course. Here we go, right? Actually, e-learning, frankly, that I was I've been hired to build. Um, and we released it and it really wasn't, it just really wasn't getting the uptake. And so when we went out to do some analysis of 30, 60, 90 day stuff, right. And, and in the workflow performance wise, I, I had this epiphany because they said, they, here's what they kept saying, you know, my people can't perform. So your training stinks. Mm. And I went, uh, um, no, my, my training stunning. Um, this person just isn't getting any help performing. Mm. You know what I mean? We have to be careful of, you know, we we talk about something called train, transfer, sustain, right? Which is that, which is this journey that a learner is on. And we, and so often we blame the training phase for failure in the transfer and sustain. And and I think that David, frankly, is unfair Mm -hmm. because training isn't a transfer and sustain model. It's a train model, right? So, so what what the epiphany for me was when I saw this gap of those three phases mm. and realized I was only servicing one, right? And, and so I have to focus more on the other two. And when I did, again, again at the time, to, to, to speak evolutionary here, when I, I still thought training was the, was the tip of the sword. Yeah. But once I shifted my um, and started, deliver, started designing for transfer and designing for sustain and building deliverables for those, all of a sudden, when I looked back at training, mm. it, had, it had changed dramatically. And actually, it had lessened in its importance of what I thought it did and and my attention to it to, to build it. Yeah, and you know, it's not a million miles off what mine was when I was at Disney and I was looking after um, learning and development for the entire region, for Europe, Middle East and Africa. And I had um, accountability for what was going on uh, some kind of responsibility and accountability for what was going on in the, in the separate countries. Um, but I was on the board and I was hearing what was required and, and it was going back to your point it was about what needed to be done um yep. what results needed to be delivered now you know i was coming back now considering the journey that i'd been on i'd spent 10 years pretty much in a classroom now when you're mm-hmm. in a classroom you know you're you're faced with people you, you i mean you it's all not all plain sailing you get people in there who don't want to be in the room and you and you turn them and they tell you at the end they had a great experience it's oh, been yeah. worth the while you got the happy sheets you know all of that stuff it's it's like a constant churn but you know that it's doing good you see people's faces correct when you're on the board and they're telling you that things need to fundamentally change and then you've got a deadline you're looking and thinking we can't do that 12 people at a time you know a couple things here my friend we have to be careful of of being fooled Mm. by our own deliverable yeah right We, we happy faces engagement this changed my life you know the light bulb went on i am not discrediting any of those but we made a huge assumption that all of those equated to performance yeah they do not. No. I hate this. They do not. Now, do they support and help? I, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I was once t- told that I'm the classroom hater guy. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I, I am. I, I would refute that right now on this podcast. Yeah. I am not the classroom hater guy. What I am, what I do hate, is what we've done to the classroom. Yeah. You know, it has been way overburdened 
and position to do things it is not good at, mm -hmm. right? And, it's, and, it's, and to your point earlier, it's put at the wrong time, it's too long, wait, it's content focused, not performance focused, all these things. Mm -hmm. And that's not the classroom's fault, that's a design problem, yeah. right? So, so for me, we have to be careful as L&D to be sure we understand the tools of the trade, mm. right? That are out there and that are available for us, the methodologies that are emerging that help us change from this training focus. It's our responsibility. They're out there. You know, doctors don't use leeches anymore. Yep. They've moved beyond that, right? And so, but, but too often you walk into a classroom and it's rows and columns and a whiteboard and, I mean, come on. Yeah. Really? Right? So, so let's move beyond that, friends, and enable it still in powerful ways, but get to where we can be in other ways. Let's talk about other ways, Bob. You co-wrote <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, uh, again, with, uh, with Comrade Goffertson um, and published the book Innovative Performance Support. I believe in 2011, am I, am I right? Yep, yep, uh, yep, you're correct. But performance support tends to be oversimplified in my experience and almost derided as job aids and oh inferior God. to instructional design or, or simply supplementary to formal training. But this is a misconception, is it not? I would reverse all those things. Mm. Oh my gosh, is it a misconception? And again, this, this is shame on me, right? Because I felt that same way 10 years ago. If I, here's the thing, if I had time, I made job aids. Mm -hmm. oh, how irresponsible of me, mm -hmm. right? Because my job is to enable learners to perform in the workflow, period. If I have not done that, everything is moot. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say that again. If, guys, when you're done with your deliverables and you look back at them 30, 60, 90 days, if they have not enabled learners to perform effectively on their own in the workflow, the smiley sheets go out the window, yeah. the light bulbs, the ahas, all that stuff, because transfer and sustain did not happen, mm -hmm. right? So, so the important thing here is that performance support needs to be looked at by our industry again. It is not job A's like it was at one time. Oh my gosh, EPSS is electronic performance support systems, LX, LXPs, learning experience platforms, adaptive learning. David, these are the tools of that trade. Yeah. Performance support is a discipline, it's not a thing. Yeah. Carpentry is not a hammer. Surgery is not a scalpel, mm -hmm. right? Well, performance support is not a job aid, no. right? It is this remarkable discipline that has matured and grown for years and has at its disposal today remarkable tools like Captivate or whatever it is to e-learning, right? These remarkable platforms and tools and methodologies have emerged that are out there, that are being used today, right now, that make remarkable workflow-based learning and makes performance support a much broader, and I think the tip of the sword to be supported by training. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that there is a, there's a harsh reality. I, I'm, we, I think that it's, it's almost undeniable. When, when you're talking with, uh, with the learning development professionals, probably even more when you're talking with business leaders and employees mm -hmm. themselves, it's undeniable. Yep. And yet in, this year's Tools Maturity Benchmark Report, in which they have 22, I think it was 22 different skills, um, leaders, learning and development, in-house leaders, then rated their importance and their prevalence within their organization. I think second bottom with about 26%, 23 or 26% prevalence was supporting performance. Oh, learning and development have an inability largely to support performance. Oh my gosh, how is, that a, how is that not a condemnation of what we do? Yeah. I mean, come on, let's call it out. This is, this is amongst friends here, yeah. right? Yeah, totally, yeah. And, 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 and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm 58 years old, about to be 59, and I just, some, many of the filters are gone, <laughs> right? Because I, I, in my lifetime, I, David, I wanna see us do this differently. Yeah. 
we're way behind on this. We are way behind on this. The tools, the methodology, and now the demand and the need, yeah. right, is there. So, and yeah, okay, come on, I get it's hard. Mm -hmm. Totally get it's hard. I'm not dismissing the journey because I've been on it for 10 years and it has been tough. Totally get that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean because it's hard, we don't do it. Yeah. Right. I, I think I've shared with it before, but I had this, I, when I'm trying, when I'm talking to learning leaders, I had this slide that I put up and say, look, you guys, forget your, forget your titles, the whole deal. Look at this list of things. And you tell me what made you an effective performer in your life. Mm. Well, guess what? I have like L and D, ILT, e-learning, virtual, just in time, in the workflow, trial and error. I have all these things listed. Guess what? Trial and error and on the job training wins every time. No one votes for classroom e-learning or, or VILT. No. Nobody. And so I'm like, you guys, okay, in this room, can we have a conversation here? Yeah. Because you're going to leave this room and guess what? Go back and build ILT, e-learning, LMS stuff. Now, again, I'm not knocking those things, mm. but let's, let's start addressing the elephant in the room. And that is, it is all about, and now we can design and deliver for performance first and support with training second. So Bob, I really would really want to lay this out. I think this is such an important conversation. And, and I get what you're saying as well. I think that, that my aim for, for this podcast is it's an encouraging conversation. We recognize yeah. where we are in L&D and we're, we're looking to, to create a conversation that we, that, and a journey that we can all go on. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about performance. How, mm -hmm. how do we pivot our focus from learning to performance? And why is that so important? Considering we're called learning and development, it's, it's in our no, name. Surely that's what we do. Why, why do we do it and well, how do we do it? Well, we should be P&D, mm -hmm. <laughs> performance and development. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is, you know, Khan often asks people, you know, to what end, friends? You know, amongst ourselves, why do we do what we do? And inevitably, the conversation gets around to what I said earlier, mm -hmm. right? That, that, that we are to enable performance. To your point earlier, the problem is our deliverables have been a bit, have been not a bit, but very removed from that, mm -hmm. right? And so I think this re-pivot on performance first and this shift of mindset is really, really important for us to start, start having because otherwise... What Khan often says, and what we talk about, is if you still leave this conversation and you go back and build training first, you will never shift to performance. Yeah, because you'll never have time. If let me say that again, if you if you want to shift to performance first, but you build training first, you will never have time to build performance assets because you, the the training side will consume you. Yeah, you you, you won't lose you won't leave that mindset and that lens. You, if you but if you go for apply first and build for performance first. It will change the way you go back then and build the training to support. Yeah. Now, on your own podcast, Performance Matters, you discuss with Conrad how performance support was difficult to sell. And so rebranding and expanding this method to workflow learning was required. Could you explain what you meant? Absolutely. Well, see, here, here I can espouse all I want in this podcast, right? Yeah. But, but at the same time, right, we got to look in the mirror, mm -hmm. right? So, so listen to what I was doing right? Shame on me, mm -hmm. right? You, when we, you asked me the very first question was my pivot on performance, why I got out of the training business. And I said, because it was a tool, not the, not, in, not the ends, right? It was in, but look what we were doing. I was out parading performance support and waving the flag and learners in particular were going, well, who, uh, uh, that's great for you people. I don't know what that is. That's what your job is, but I don't, I don't want to buy that. I want to just be effective. Yeah. I want to just work better. Right. So here I was waving a tool 
when I should have been speaking about the discipline. Mm -hmm. Once I changed the vocabulary to workflow learning and, 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 and talk to not L and D folks, but, but the buyer, the, 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 the business owner, the line of business and said, look, do you want your people learning in the workflow? Do you want your people enabling them to not have to leave the workflow if they don't have to for training to be able to tr actually learn while they're doing in, in, in a safe and, and supported way? Or do you want five days of blah, 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 blah? Mm. Every one of them said, oh my gosh, are you, are you kidding me? I, I want my salespeople selling, my nurses, you know, helping patients, my, my call center reps on the phone. And if while doing that, they can learn effectively, this, this is a no brainer for me. Yeah. Right. But all I've ever known you people as is they leave that they go to you to some building, some LMS somewhere, and they and they sit outside of that domain going through your stuff. And so that's what I keep asking. Right. So this so this shift is so important to have people understand that it really is a way for them to better support their people and a better deliverable for us to build. Yeah, it's not job aids. This is it's no. just not job aids. And it's and it's so important and critical for us to, to understand. It's not thin learning content. It's not <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, a, an inferior product to and, and something else I, I heard recently um, uh, where somebody said, it's not snacking as opposed to feasting on a course like it's oh. the, the language. The language can be so derogatory. Well, here's the thing. And here, there's some learnings we can do, right? We, when we tried blended learning, mm. what we realized was we have a lot of training assets at our disposal, right? We have you learning, we have classroom, we have, we have coaching, we have other things, which, which I would call training assets, right? Those mm. are the assets that support moments one and two. And we said, look, why aren't we more efficient at this? Why don't we mix them up? Why don't we flip learning, right? We used all of these terms, again, in the training domain. But where I'm going with this is we were insightful enough to know that just we're not going to throw all these tools at them mm. and say, pick one. We were going, we were, our job was to meaningfully orchestrate the assets based on those two needs. Well, here's my point, David. We can do the same in the workflow. Yeah. A job aid does something very unique in its nature. It's quick. It's step-oriented. Mm -hmm. It does not teach or instruct. It does not go deep and wide on purpose, yeah. right? But a video or an FAQ or a SharePoint site or a coach, those assets all have different ways in which they perform as well. Yeah. The challenge to us, friends, is just like we tried to do with, with, with blended learning, what we can do the same in this domain. Let's orchestrate the asset mm. appropriately, not just for the thing it solves, but the way in which it solves it. Is that making sense? Yeah, it is, it, be it is making sense. The, the, the confusion comes when uh, to, at a distance, a lot of this stuff looks like things we already do. Now, one of my mm. big bugbears in learning and oh development is taking emerging practice and then rebranding existing practice <laughs> as that. Be because the things look the same, There's te yeah. it's text on a page. Therefore, I do text on a page. It is a video. I do video. Going back to your point, blended learning, I think, has um, uh, lost mm. its luster because it all, for me, became about extending or trying to extend the value of the face-to-face -face classroom event. And you do okay. that with e-learning beforehand yes, and a yes. PDF after. So these things look the same, but the intention behind it's very different. Again, on your podcast, you say that, um, uh, I think you describe workflow learning as learning that occurs while I do my job and then mm. not, not when I stop to learn instead of working. But there is, there is a lot of confusion. I wonder oh whether gosh. there's, Again, let's clarify. This. Yeah, clarify. Yeah, please yeah, do. Brilliant. Because here, here, let's go back in our history, right? 
when e-learning first came out, we called it JIT, mm-hmm. right? Just in time. Yeah. Here's my point, David. I would, and I would challenge our industry on this. It is not. It's e- more easily acceptable. It's more easily accessed. But you ask a learner, what does just in time, just go up to a learner and say, what do you think? If, if I could create for you just in time learning, what would it look like and be? They will not describe an LMS and e-learning. No. I'm telling you right now, they will not describe an LMS and e-learning. Right. So my point is it was branding, to be honest. Now, I'm not knocking e-learning. It's spectacular. If nothing else, it's a, it's a remarkable economic model. Mm. Right. You don't have to leave class. It's not scheduled during a certain time. You don't have to sit with others who don't care. Right. Uh, guys, I'm, those are brilliant things for why e-learning is spectacular and should remain so. Mm-hmm. But it is not just in time. Right. So this, hi- this whole idea of workflow learning is not just making assets available in the workflow. Mm-hmm. That's what an LMS does. That's what e-learning is. That's what a coach is. I think those are all remarkable. But if you look at them through the lens of five moments of need, they're not typically orchestrated towards apply, solve, and change. Mm-hmm. Right. So workflow learning is learning while doing. I'm going. I'm, so I'm. So you know, it's interesting. A, a quick story. I was I was um, introduced to this really remarkable software a couple of years ago, that embedded in software and literally watched your behavior and performance. Unfortunately, it has since gone to the wayside for a number of reasons. But it guided you in the software. So I'm in a CRM, let's say, and I'm trying to put in a lead and I'm trying to orchestrate it to close. In the in the in the journey of doing that for my company to try to get that poor buyer to buy, this software guided me and corrected me and watched me. Right. So, so here's the point that was learning while doing yeah. not, oh, 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 you're on the lead screen. Okay. Okay. Let me take you outside of that to a, to an e-learning on the lead screen. Yeah. Let's talk about the lead screen. Let me show you an example of a lead screen, which by the way, means nothing to you. Let me show you another, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then guess what? You're supposed to go back to the lead screen, make this huge cognitive jump. Mm-hmm. And now with your leads, Somehow make that make work. That is not, my friend, workflow learning because that is an asset available in the workflow, mm-hmm. but I have to step out of it to, to consume it. Workflow learning is consumed while doing the work mm-hmm. and it guides me along so that in the end I perform while learning. And the, the example that you gave there, if, if that e-learning, well, if the term just in time was was created when e-learning was first emerging, what, in the mid-1990s? It's, yep. it's going to have been just in time compared to the training oh my course goodness. that I would have been. So, so it's all relative, but it's nothing like the Google search that I do right now oh, while so I'm working or the access that I have to industry experts on Twitter, on LinkedIn, where I can, I can be working. I might just fire off and go, I don't know that. I'm going to just fire that off. I can get this. So I'm, I'm connecting in real time because, because I have access to that network or those brilliant minds have placed this on the internet already and Google's done the hard work to help me find that and other stuff that's related to it. So I'm working, I continue to work. It's a bit research, I'm going a bit sideways. YouTube's a great one when with, for me, uh, I oh, always brilliant. use the uh, the analogy. I I built a patio a couple of summers ago, Bob. Yep. I was particularly proud of it uh, back then, and um, <laughs> I, and I must say that I didn't I didn't learn until I actually dug. But I got the performance support that I needed from a series of videos. Yeah, I yep. needed to do some filtering because I needed to really go from the basics. But the learning occurred. Well, I did it. The learning occurred. Okay, so, when, when, so I dug a hole, and then I learned. Do you know what? I should have measured this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's real learning, but it wasn't well, reading. Here's the thing. Yeah. 
David, let, let's pivot on what you said. Mm. The filtering is the art. Yeah. A dear, dear friend of mine said, and this is by me, this is no knock of Google by any means. Mm -hmm. But in our world, he said, uh, Google is the, search is the absence of good design. Yeah. You know, and, and what, I, what he meant by that is not the search isn't powerful, but we all have done the searches where we got 58 hits. We tried the top five and went, oh boy, these are not what I meant. And yeah. you know, because you know, we searched poorly, right? So, so, so again, that wasn't Google's fault. Like the classroom, like it wasn't the classroom's fault that, as I described earlier, it's the design that made it not work, mm -hmm. right? So, so here's my pivot. I, I, I tell a lot of folks, we are no longer in the, in the content dissemination business. We're in the content aggregation business. Mm -hmm. You know, the aggregation of content, the filtering you mentioned earlier, right? When I talk about workflow learning and learning in the, in the flow of work, what I'm, what I'm not condoning is just giving them a couple things and say, look, good luck. Yeah. And by the way, if you hurt yourself or others, well, you know, that's your problem. That is irresponsible, mm. right? What I'm saying is because of these frameworks and tools that I described earlier, we can put learners in highly guiding, highly controlled, highly instructional domains and technologies, but they're in work, but, but they're, they're, but it's while they are doing their work. Yeah. Right. And then they, then the filters help it, help it, help it be measured. The filters help it be appropriate. The filters help it not, not let them go too far to where they hurt themselves, right? That is the idea of the millennium, not going back to in this lesson you will learn and those days. So I think what you're describing there, this is what gets me excited because rather than seeing what we have in terms of technology and content and seeing how we can apply that to L&D, this is creating a vision. And I think that, that part of the problem with us not well, perhaps learning and development remaining stuck in the classroom and, and e-learning paradigm is that we haven't created a vision that's more powerful and compelling for ourselves and our learners. Now, my vision for L&D is that people are guided and supported as they transition into and through our organizations. So they are more predictably and reliably, well, they can do more of the right things in pursuit of their goals and achieving results almost from, from day one. But this will happen in the tools they use for work rather than separate ones created for learning. And mm. we will positively affect the work. Is this what you imagine and hope for? Absolutely. Or do you see something different? And what's your vision? Well, here, well first of all, spot on, mm -hmm. right? Here's, the, here's my message I went out there. This isn't futuristic or a vision. No. This is today, David. Mm -hmm. This is today. These things are happening right now in large organizations. I can't name them all, unfortunately, but you know because of obvious reasons. But 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 multi multi global, huge organizations, brands you would recognize in a heartbeat. They are doing this now, yeah. right? And so it, it, for us, it's all about if there's a lag, it's us, David. Yeah. If there's a lag, it is us. We're often asked when you go to organizations to do this as as a service, where do you find the most obstacles? Well, my friend, here it comes. It's within the L&D department. Yeah. It's not in the worker. It's not in the workflow. It's not in the line of business. They, they totally get this. Yeah. Right. If, if I can do what you said earlier, cheaper, faster, better. Right. And, and with less training, bring, bring it on. There is no sales pitch. There is no, the problem is us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, and again, I want to be careful here because I'm one of us, mm -hmm. right. And I'm 10 years in the journey. Many listen to this or not. I get that. But, my, but the good news I'm trying to bring here is you can do it. There's method. I can't keep going back to it. When I was first faced with this, David, my concern was I, was, I am an ID, tried and true. Yeah. And so when I first stumbled into this, I was lying in bed going, okay, get the vision. But when I get up every morning, I've got to be able to create this mm -hmm. in a scalable, measurable, and defendable way. 
I'll say those three again, scalable, measurable, and defendable. And if I can't, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. That it, it, it's irresponsible as a, as a learning professional. But what I'm here to tell you is there is now methodology that lets you do that, but it is a pivot. Yeah. It is different, but it can be learned, it can be scaled and it can be done. So my last question, Bob, I think builds quite nicely on what you just said there. We've got a listener who's excited by this, buys into that vision, but doesn't know where to start. What would you say to, to somebody who is on the precipice, who wants to get going with this? Where do they start? Okay, and if I'm, I'm going to try to be careful here because <laughs> I'm going to be a little, a little self-promoting here, but, but here's why. I'm going to be, I'm going to be responsibly self-promoting mm-hmm. because when, 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 when Khan and I were faced with this about seven, eight years ago, um, and Khan did this without thinking, right? He, he, I, he'd, done, he'd done this for 20-something years at the time. I said, Khan, that's great for you, but what about the masses? I said, what about the masses? If we don't come up with a defendable methodology that's not in your head but can be in mine, this, this goes nowhere, right? So we, so we do have, if nothing else, and there are others, but we do have the five moments of need certificate course. Mm-hmm. There is a methodology. We've talked to hundreds of IDs across the world that teaches the rapid workflow analysis, critical skills analysis, asset analysis, that, that, that lets you begin to do this. So again, if I may, www.fivemomentsofneed.com has what we've talked about, videos, the certificates there, other things. You know, it, it, let's, let's read your work, mm. follow people like, like you, find folks, folks that are like-minded, right? Um, these are things that we can do as an industry. Allison Rossett's book on, books on performance support. So, you know, these kinds of things, my friend, have been around and lying at our disposal for years. Yeah. We've just not picked them up and, 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 and included them. So, so, so let's uh, unite around this together and, and do this responsibly. And, and, and thanks to you and others, let's keep this conversation going and bring it to the forefront, not let it be job aids that have sat in the, in, in the background. Great. Thanks, Bob. And we'll put links in the show notes to, to the resources there that you've, uh, you've just described. And if I can add it, um, uh, then I would suggest that people subscribe to your podcast, Performance Matters, because again, it's digestible, it keeps the conversation going and helps people to think about the topics we've been discussing in the context of their Thank organization you. and their work. Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. If people want to follow you and your work, how can they do so on social? Well, I'm B Mosier uh, is my Twitter and then and LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. Uh, and, and we also have a, a Facebook page and so on. To the, your point, the podcast as well and a YouTube channel all around. If they search on five moments of need or, or myself, they'll find all of those. Wonderful. We'll add those links. Bob, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. You too, my friend. Thank you. Looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for all you do, David. I could have spoken with Bob for much longer but there was plenty in there to help us refocus, to try some stuff out and get closer to the work, to the moment of apply. It'll be hugely valuable to get him on again, I think. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.